Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Please welcome the Arsenal. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Is This Rock Bottom podcast with Alexander Moneypenny <laughs> and my very, very good friend... Uh... Uh, Brandon Autumns. Brandon Autumns. Just a quick bit of housekeeping. Um, Every Friday, for some inexplicable reason, my neighbour's alarm goes off and beeps for hours on end. So I've moved into the lounge today. So if you hear any sort of um, cars going past, it's not Bradley ramming his Vauxhall Corsa um, into the wall repeatedly. It's just just the road. Uh, How are you feeling, Brad? Um... Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just in, inexplicable. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. We're recording this like, uh, fr- just... Friday Friday morning after uh, Arsenal crash out the Europa League to Villarreal. Uh, a very very bad evening. Um, <laughs> Not evening. a good evening. Not a good evening. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, I think we're going to have some kind of um, probably quite macro conversation around the future of Arsenal, um, where we go from here, I think what this all means. Um, yeah, uh, so strap in, because uh, this could, yeah. get, could I, get tasty. I, I kind of just, before we get onto that, um, I just want to uh, say one thing. Um, uh, John Bennett from BBC on Twitter put this perfectly, and I'm going to read him verbatim, and he says... Unai Emery comes across as such a classy guy, no bitterness whatsoever about how his time at Arsenal came to an end. And as for the mocking, this is a guy who, despite being a beginner in the language, was brave enough to do his first Arsenal press conference in English. And, you know, this is a man who was hounded out of our club quite xenophobically at points. Yeah, we'd we'd never make a reference to evenings or evenings, would we? Yeah, I know. But as in, he was hounded out for good reason, but by the end, it became a bit, you know, we, there, there were people there's, picking there's on a line. things that there's weren't exactly... Yeah, there is a line. And, you know, and the first thing he did after the match wasn't run on the pitch and celebrate like we've seen certain managers like Mourinho do or whatever. He walked over to Mikel Arteta and shook his hand. And I think mm. that, you know... Yeah, respect. What, whatever, whatever the opinions we hold of Unai Emery are absolute respect for him to um carrying himself with dignity and class no matter what um yeah and yeah i just i just want to kind of put that out there first before we get into the big conversation because i don't want that to get lost yeah, inside I, a big conversation i think that's a really good really good starting place mate and and actually like 
yeah, a great place to to kick off, really, because a hey, football. Um, the yeah, I mean, Villarreal. I think they've won something like twelve out of their fourteen Europa League games or something. Unai Emery is clearly a specialist in this competition. He's a fantastic manager. It just didn't work out at Arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you, you know, we we have perceptions as fans of what, you know, what managers are like, you know, based on every, anything, you know, based on their their work at our club or work at other clubs or whatever it is. But I think something we, yeah, we, we have to say is that what a classy man and what a, um, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a good way. Cause that, that could have been really, really messy coming back to a club that, you know, however many months ago it is now sacked you 18 months ago or, or so. Um, and, and as you say, hounded out quite disrespectfully by a lot of a large portion of the fans um, in, in, yeah, as you say, a, a, a quite a difficult way. Um, yeah. Full respect to Unai and congratulations to Villarreal. They were probably yeah. over the, over the two legs they controlled the, the game. Side. I think something that um, I saw uh, someone say was like, out of the 180 minutes, they probably controlled uh, about 150. And this is something we're going to get into. I mean, you know, yes, we have the ball, <laughs> but what does that mean? And, you know, if, yeah. if, they, if they've got us where, where they want us, they're in control. Um, so, yeah, uh, listen, I think something that sums that up no better than anything else is... Um, do you want to know who had the most shots over the two legs, Brad, for Arsenal? I know who had the most shots over the two legs. It was Rob Robert Holding. Holding. Robert Holding with four. <laughs> who arguably shouldn't have even, you know, we've got, we've we've seen how much having a ball playing centre-back at that right centre-back helps us and then lost David Luiz. And we've got, was he even on the bench last night, Chambers? Was Chambers on the bench? I think he's, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, Chambers was on the bench. Why not start him at right centre-back? Why and you know you know I I I I'm pretty sure that both of us mentioned that maybe we should think about playing Bellerin in the second leg after the first leg, and I think we can both hold our hands up now and say that that was absolutely wrong because I thought he was absolutely atrocious last yeah. night. So, something um, I do I do want to say though, and to kind of and that's interesting again to bounce off that to preface this whole conversation. I think what's difficult is we, you can look at decisions that are made. Um, and criticise them, and that's completely valid. But something that needs to come into that discussion is the information that the person had at the time making the decision. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, so for example, let's take a big example of that, the Willian deal. That looks awful. That really does. I mean, three years for a man who yeah. was ambling around last night looks awful. But look at the metrics, look at the numbers last summer. Yeah. We needed someone in that position. We needed a bit of experience, you know, could cover, you know, multiple positions across the front three, you know, Premier League proven, sure, made sense. That is a... Even then there was doubt though. Like even then we were were all saying, no, 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 I don't think it's a maybe. Even then from the large, from a large population of football fans, Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, even some pundits, you know, we've spoken to certain people like um, Aaron, read the game on this podcast. There was kind of widespread doubt as to whether this deal would come good for a 33-year-old on a three-year deal. So I don't think it's that we all looked at it and saw it as a... um, And the only reason I say this is I want to be very clinical about how we go through things today. Like I want us to have the clear starting points and end points so that we can come to a conclusion about where we Mm. are moving forward. Yeah. I think there definitely was doubt about the deal. But like you say, 
the metrics last season were decent at, come to yeah. the end of last season. If he was a 24-year-old you're signing on a three-year deal for, on a free transfer, you're snapping someone's hand off for that. Sure. But Whereas it's it's his age that came into question. Sorry, you uh, go. No, there. no, 100%. And, 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 and that is a, a useful caveat of that. But not to this level. Like no one thought no, it would work no, out. No the one, deal would yeah. work out this badly. Um, other situations, you know, starting Bellerin last night, I'd put at the other end of the spectrum. I think we knew that would happen. I think we knew, you know, Bellerin is not capable of his old performances. Like, I think, you know, put, putting things into perspective and, and trying to caveat that a lot of these decisions that we're going to be questioning, a lot of these, you know, the conversations that we're going to have today, we have to make sure that we temper it with what information was available at the time. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of things to criticise Artessa for. And I think there are a lot of things that um, are cultural, are long-term, are are, um, yeah. are uh, direct repercussions of years of mismanagement. I think something that came to mind this morning, do you remember that video that sort of kicked off AFTV of that guy called Chris, who was like... Where, um, uh, where he talks about Santi Cazorla coming yeah. and getting off the plane at Ecuador. You could literally copy-paste, take out the and names... Change- Take, take out, out Kazola, Kazola, put in Saka. Yeah. You know, it's... Take out Wenger, put in Arteta. It's the same issues. And that comes... The only constant here is Kroenke. And let's pin that for now because we can come back to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think the... Yeah, the, the most important thing here is is we try and take things in, in context. So let's... Just to wait, just to... I just want to quickly bounce off like what you're saying about kind of Arteta's decisions. And I, I, I understand like... And I, I agree with you. We obviously have to take into context what is um, like information available and all of th- all of these things when making a decision. Because at the end of the day, no one, um, no one's got, no one's got ridiculous foresight. No, no one can see into the future. But the longer that we go on, and this is just my opinion, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. And the more decisions that Arteta seems to make the more those decisions seem to make him look less of a football genius than people like Guardiola suggest. Uh, and I make, I've got a little list of those decisions. Sending Saliba and Guendouzi out on loan. You know, Saliba's gone and absolutely balled out for Nice in the last six months. And Guendouzi has been at the heart of, you know, staving off relegation for Hertha Berlin. Selling Emmy over Leno. You know, Leno last night who nearly falls over and kicks it into a Villarreal striker. Barely playing Martinelli, not playing a number 10 until December, consistently choosing Willian at the start of the season over players like um, Nelson and Smith-Rowe when we knew it wasn't working. And then if you couple that with the current situation with in-game management, you know, not making substitutions until 60 minutes, even then when you're chasing a game, taking, and this this is a sackable offence, when you're chasing a game and needing a goal, you take a Bamiyang off and bring on, you know, and then you're, you're left bringing on Enketia and William to chase the game. The more decisions that he seems to make, the more I start to really question whether he is out of his depth. Um, and I, I kind of, I think that that's a conversation for later, but I just wanted to bring that up because you mentioned, you know, about the, the obviously the, um, no one has foresight and we need to understand the information around at the time. But the issue is, is when Saliba was sent out on loan, we'd had six months of information of how we'd been playing poorly. Um, and 
there is only so much that we can excuse by going, well, he can't see the future. This man is paid something like five million pounds or euros a year to lead this football club. He's paid that to be able to predict the right things to do, taking us forward in the future. And currently, every single one of those decisions seem to be regressing us rather than progressing us. And even if you look at the decisions that he has taken that have moved us forward, switching to the 4-2-3-1, we've theorised before whether he would have even made that decision if both Gabriel and William hadn't been kind of out because of COVID-related issues and whether we hadn't had injuries in the squad. So I, I, I just start to worry about when are we going to start to take these track record of poor decisions as his level of management right now because Arsenal is not a club where you learn your trade we're the third biggest club in the country when it comes to history you know and even and that's even if you take out all of our charity shields all of the community shields and take out Chelsea who are fourth all of their community shields we're still the third biggest club in this country right the only thing we don't have is that Champions League title or whatever and then talking of Chelsea you just have to look at the jump off. They made the ridiculously difficult decision to sack a bigger club legend than Arteta. You know, Lampard is everything that Chelsea embodies. He was their captain, took them to a Champions League and they brought Tuchel in and they're in a Champions League final. You know, it, 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 I'm, I am just starting to get worried about where we, where we go from here if certain decisions aren't made. But yeah. let's, let's get into the game, like you said. Uh, oh. Yeah, because I, I don't want to take up too much time just watching yeah, well, that list. I, I, yeah, obviously a lot of thoughts on that, but yeah, well said. Um, so, uh, late change, Xhaka was out, yeah. um, pulled up in the in the warm-up. I thought it could have been a bit of 8D chess. I was hoping this was a sort of like late ploy, but I think uh, Arteta said it was... Um, uh, they they'd practiced for Granite to be there, and he said, you know, that's the reason why we weren't playing very well in the first half. I don't particularly buy that, but... It was good to see Tierney back. I mean, I understand. We didn't change the system. You know, yeah. we, we we set we put Tierney at left back, and then um, we we played as if our left back was going to be a high volume passer, and and but, that wasn't the case. Yeah, my counter to that would be if you've prepared a system in training all week for that, it's going to be quite difficult to to not do that when you've got about 20 minutes. You know, you can't just go, oh, we'll, we'll revert back to the 4-2-3-1 or whatever, you know, the yeah, way we've... we've had we've had 18 months. Like, we've been playing in that 4-2-3-1 for a long time now, since December. You're talking, what, six months since we played that yeah, system. If you prepare the, all no, week but, for a system... Okay, no, 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 I get you, right? But we... Um, it's also an unfit tierney. Like it's not. It's. Not I know. It's, be I know the, it's an unfit tierney. I know it's an unfit tierney, right? And that's literally my first note. Is it's great to see tierney back, but he's clear. He clearly wasn't fit enough. Yeah, he wasn't fit. But as actors, you know, if we're but say you've got two covers, your first and your second cover. Obviously, you're going to be used to going on more for your first cover, but that doesn't mean that you can't that you just let go of everything to do with that second cover. And I think it's kind of the same situation here. These are intelligent, professional-level footballers who should be able to go and change a system by just going, okay, this is the game plan we're going to enact. This is, you know, I know we've been working towards this, but because of an injury, we're having to change. And they get on with it and fine. And okay, yeah, maybe it takes 10 minutes to click into gear. But we took four, we took, we took, we, we didn't click into gear pretty much all night last night. So 
it become it becomes a question of is it better to spend 15 minutes of a game warming into a new tactic when we've done nothing for 90 minutes because we've stayed in a tactic that heavily relies on a certain profile of player being in one position that we didn't have i i understand i think of all the arteta hills to die on that's not the one i'd choose um i think no. i think i understand the difficulty of training and, and, and having someone like Granite Jacker, who, by the way, is usually our person with the most touches and the most passes, having someone like him go out is a, is a big blow. And not individually, and people go, oh, Jacker, shit. To the system, that is a, a huge change. And having someone like Tierney, who doesn't have the same profile as Jacker and changes, I, I'm not defending it. We should have done better. We should have adapted. It should have, you know, Absolutely. like, as you say, in a situation. As actors, we have to adapt and a football team would have to adapt as well. But I do think there's a, there's a certain impact there. How much the impact is, 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 is sort of, you know, to be decided. But certainly there is an, an impact there. Mm. I think something that summed up, frankly, the entire evening <laughs> was, did you hear the announcer when, um, when Arsenal came out? No, my my stream didn't. My stream kept failing, so I actually didn't get to log on to the match until like three minutes, which is why I didn't know Tierney was playing until he touched the ball. Oh, right. And I went, Kieran Tierney there? And I was like, Brad, I'm just going to do an impression of the guy at the Emirates. This sums up the <laughs> okay. entire season. Please welcome the Arsenal. Jesus. I was like, if that doesn't fucking sum us up. It was the least, it was so like, you know, um, who is it? Who do we play? Who do we like? Newcastle. They play Oh Fortuna. They're like, oh, Fortuna. That thing. It's Newcastle. Surely yeah. we could have a bit of, you know, pre-match music, something. Do you know what? Do you know what I want? The Arsenal. <laughs> do you know what I want? You know, um, if you haven't watched it, by the way, go and watch it. The Last Dance, the Netflix documentary oh, yeah. about Michael Jordan. Listen, so it's massively biased, but it's an incredible piece of television. And that took that person. I want that music. I want that music. Yeah. You know, the music that they always seem to end the episodes to or walk yeah. out to. Yeah. Could you, um, that is epic. Yeah. Or like just something stadium to cheer fans, the team walking out to that. Yeah. Like, also, it would on, just be sensational. on the sort of fluff around it, um, you wouldn't have seen this, but BT Sport put a graphic up that was a 3-4-3 with Martin Erdegaard left wing. Left wing. What the fuck are you on about? You're pe- you're prof- just don't know what they're professionals. Doing. You're professionally paid to do this. How have you got Martin Erdegaard left wing? Have you watched a game this season? Like, come on. Like, I know it's difficult to predict exactly what's going to happen, but Erdegaard's not going to be left wing, guys. Let me just let me just tell you that. Um so listen, I thought in the sort of opening stages, I thought Tierney was showing is immediately what we missed. And at his most fresh, I mean, he was pinging balls. He was, uh, there was a nice moment with um, Bamming, did a little flick behind him, got Tierney through, we got a corner out of it. And I thought, okay, encouraging. Mm-hmm. I think what's uh, concerning is how much we rely on that. And, you know, obviously like having a player like that yeah. who makes such a big impact. And it, it, I think conversely, it kind of shows me how much we're going to improve I hope when we get a proper right back in because if you have someone who can mm-hmm. kind of take that um, that mantle off S- something I I noticed last night and, 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 and this left back thing sort of feeds into a more wider tactical conversation our wide players drop so deep too deep yeah. so you rely on the fullbacks to do the overlapping 
Bellerin can't overlap anymore. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the ability. He doesn't know when to run. Tierney's the only guy who can overlap. So when we don't have Tierney because he's too unfit to do it, we end up with two wide players in whoever it was, Saka and Willian or Saka and you know Smith or whatever it is, however you want to define Pepe. it, Saka and Pepe yeah. last night. You have them so far back that they can't they're not on the last man of the uh, last man. They're available for a ball out and then you're basically relying on Bellerin to get beyond or you've got nothing. And I'm just going I think it was what, what is this? It was, so then, when you don't have t- yeah, when, when Tierney's th- not there, you, you have no progression, and you have no no triangles forming. You have no people trying to get behind and beat the beat the press and and, and beat the line, and it's just really frustrating. I think it was syst- kind of like system wise as well. You know, setting up in a f- like a four one four one instead of the four two three one, it just baffled me because. And it is a 4-1-4. Like, it looks it, it, it's not 4-1-2-3. Yeah. It's, it's four, a, it was a flat four. four. It's flat four. It's not, it's no, not good enough. It, no, and it, it genuinely baffled me because it looked like we were set up to hold the lead and we played like that. Yeah. Because systematically, that's the way that we were set up. Yeah. And it just meant that, you know, they sat in a flat bank 4-4-2 with 11 men behind the ball. Yeah. For a, for a fair amount of the game, you know, yeah. as soon as we got the ball, they just sat in their banks of four and then two strikers. And, you know, we there was nothing we could do about it because we didn't have anyone in that middle pocket, in that 10 space. All we had was a flat bank of four versus their flat bank of four and then one striker versus four defenders. Yeah. And the system as well, it led to people like Pepe, Saka being very profligate because they they had to do they like they were having to do so much that they could do nothing hmm. you know they it can't was, be it everywhere. was on the burden of it was on the burden of and i don't i i think Erdegaard was a passenger last night but i think that that's more of a system conversation hmm. than a player conversation you know i he, i don't think he suits the kind of eight kind of like roaming eight role I think he has to be in that 10 or kind of out wide as in a kind of advanced playmaker out there mm-hmm. but we we genuinely systematically were forcing our players to do and have to do way too much that meant that we could do nothing but rely on random crosses and half chances and flick and little flicks you know in that first Abamyang moment where he hits the post like it's a miracle he's even hit the post and not hit the shot wide, mm. because that's that's the tightest of angles with players in front of him. There's no way that's going in. So when people talk about the fact that you know, oh well, we hit the post twice. One of them was a was was you know it was lucky it even hit the post and it hit the outside of the post yeah. and rolled out. Yeah. It's not like it hit the inside and just rolled. A, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it 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 just didn't get get the best out of the players. And something that I really no, I think you know without again without reverting to Pulis ball was where was the desire? Where was it? It was, it was Ambly football. It was this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and something that really, no intensity, me. no intensity, no, no sprint. I'm thinking if we're going out there we want to, we want to win this game. When are we going to be most fresh? If we're tired, if we're a tired team, that's fine. That happens. You know, we've had a long season and you know, no preseason, all that sort of stuff. Go out there when you're most fresh and win the game. Straight away. Don't, win it in the why, first 30 minutes. Win it in the first 30 minutes. Why are we, what a strange, you know, if, if the worry is and, and the excuses come out after from Arteta that, you know, well, we're not the most fresh and blah, 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 blah then go out and w- try and win the game in the first half, in the first half of the first half. Like, like we did it, against Slavia Prague. Exactly. And, and 
I think something that, you know, obviously we were nervous, you know, people were, when I say people, Bellerin and, and party in the second half, although I think that's less party's fault. We're giving the ball away constantly. We're allowing, we're dropping deep, allowing them to come on to us. We too, all too often play, play, play the ball back to Leno, just allowing them to press another five yards. Ball goes out to holding another five yards, back to Leno, another five yards up. And we, we, we play ourselves into danger. I think the biggest mm-hmm. thing that I felt last night, when you don't have, when you don't have centre backs who can ping balls, really, or who can do that, you can't, you cannot play with one man in the midfield. You can't play no, with of one. Not. You can't play with just party as that lone DM because if you have untalented, fr- frankly, untalented um, uh, uh, backline, if you have Bellerin, Holding, and Mari. They have their own individual skills, but build-up is not their individual skill. And if their no. only passing option is party, you're fucking yourself. You're completely fucking yourself because once mm-hmm. you once Villarreal isolate party, they either have to go long or they play themselves into danger, and we fucked ourselves. And you know, Arteta saw us get overrun in the midfield in the first leg and decided it would be a smart idea to play one central midfielder and two number tens in the second leg. Yeah, like, and and it, I, I, it, I, I, and you know, party was sloppy, and there were moments where you know where he that that moment that sticks in my brain is where he basically like lashes it out of play but there's no one there and he's sloppy because there is no help in that midfield no. what can he it's do it's him versus three players pressing him and what do we honestly expect him to do when he's just surrounded by absolute dross and i think this is again why it's so frustrating that when we switched to that 4231 in december since then in the in the premier league we've been the fourth or fifth best team points-wise and statistically. In our most important game of the season, we have reverted from playing that formation. Why? Why? What what was the point in it? What was the point in it? What what did it what did we gain from it? And too often this season am I finding myself asking that question? Am I finding myself asking the question, what have we actually gained from this random change? in t-? And somebody put a graphic up on Twitter of our back four and like the back fours that have been selected over the past 12 or 15 games. And every single one of them has at least one different member in it. How like we are constantly tinkering and it, to the point where it just becomes pointless because there is no experience built up between these players. And the reason that Gabriel and David Luiz are our best partnership is because they can both speak to each other in Portuguese. You know, it's no it's no surprise that Gabriel's English isn't quite there yet because, you know, he's only been in the country, what, barely a year? So, not even a year. So, having four players, you know, Bellerin can speak English, Holden can speak English. I'm not sure about Mari's English. It seems okay in interviews. I think it's fine, yeah. Because he was at City for a while. It, there's, it's just it like it, it honestly does. There are there are too many questions for me. Yeah. There are too many times that I'm asking myself, why are we doing this? Yeah. In, and in our most important game of the season, because we have made it our most important game of the season. Mm. The reason mm. that this is our most important game of the season is because we didn't turn up for six months and then we didn't turn up last Thursday and then we haven't turned up this Thursday. And it's getting to a point where I start to wonder how much of that is actually the players or how much of that is systematically we are being set up in the wrong way again and again and again. Because like I said, in December you cannot tell me that other manager we have got so much talent so much talent and you can't tell me that certain other managers wouldn't get the best out of this talent 
because it is a question of both the players are letting Arteta down and Arteta is letting the players down by playing them in ways that just do not suit them. We've played Aubameyang up top again in a system that we know does not suit him, where he is isolated and where there are no men running off him. If we were doing this system last night, we should have played Lacazette, but we couldn't. So what was the point in Aubameyang? We know his hold-up play isn't good. What, what, what did we achieve? Nothing. And I think We've had three shots on target against a manager who conceded 10 shots on target against Watford, eight against Bournemouth. Like, And I think this inconsistency... In- and that's over two legs, sorry. Sorry, that's over two legs. We've had three yeah. shots on target over two legs against a man who conceded 10 shots on target in 90 minutes to Watford. Wasn't it like 30 that's or just- something? Was it shots on and off? They, they, had 20, they had 25 shots or something in that game right. and 10 of them were on target. And I think this inconsistency, you know, Arsenal's last six home games, lost to Olympiacos, lost to Liverpool, drew with Slavia Prague, drew with Fulham, lost to Everton and drew with Villarreal. This, this home form is, 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 is woeful. It's woeful. And mm-hmm. uh, you could see the team are, are knackered, you know, heads down when they're running, um, overplaying it allowing it to drop back to Leno, no intensity and all these things. And I think I, I agree with you. There's a, there's a big discussion and we will, we will come to it at the end. Um, or once we sort of finish the game analysis around Arteta and, and is he, is he setting us up for failure? I think, you know, and it all sort of leads me to go, what tragedy do we need to happen for us to start playing? Because that feels like the only thing that gets us going. A, a red card, an awful decision, a VAR, a, um, a an own goal, whatever it is, a David Luiz moment, whatever that is, that's when when we get going. So, and and I agree with you. There's a, there's a conversation there to be going. What is this? And I think I think part of it as well is it's so frustrating because this is the Europa League. You know, we have these ambitions of Champions League and you know challenging at the top and stuff. And I. There's a road there, but speaking of roads, something that struck me last night was the Champions League is like, you know, road to Istanbul, road to Milan, road to whatever. The Europa League is road to Gdansk. Now, I'm sure Gdansk is a lovely city, but, you know, it just reminds you of the level that we're at, you know, in terms of we're out of European elite, we're out of the competitions we want to be in, and we're still not bothering this should be, we should, these players should be fuming. They, they, all of them should be lying down like Smith Rowe and questioning themselves. Willian just straight up walks off the pitch. And I go, okay, well then you deserve to be at this level then. You deserve, you as players, if we're just talking about the players before we take the macro conversation, you players, yeah. if you're not up for a game, if you, if you need a manager to get you up for a European second semi-final, now forget the Alteta thing, he should get them up for it and that's fine. But if the players need need a manager to get them up for a sec- for a semi-final on the road to Gdansk. Come on, guys, take a look at yourselves. The international football this players, I, sort yourselves is, out. And this is what I was saying about the last the last match, in that you saw Granit Xhaka laughing and like with with Villarreal players at the end of the game. And, you know, we saw that after the... Um, the uh, the Leeds game sticks out for me where Alioski gets Pepe sent off and whether they're old school friends or not, Xhaka goes over it, you know. And I think obviously because of my opinions of Xhaka and things, his moments will stick in my head rather than other players. But 
that's not acceptable. And this this is what, like, no successful footballer at the elite level, once they've lost the European semi-final, should be going over and would be going over to sell up to kind of chat and stuff with with the opposition. That's a disgrace. And, you know, we saw Eden Hazard do it with Chelsea fans. And now Real Madrid fans, uh, Chelsea players and Real Madrid fans are, are furious with it. And I am too. Like, that's not, this is a European semi-final that could get us into a competition that will give, that could, seeing as our owner since, you know, 2006 or whenever hasn't financed this club at all, um, would get us some extra finances to mean that we might be able to rebuild and get ourselves back to cementing a top six place and then to cementing a top four place. And we've just lost the first leg and you're hugging it out with other players. Uh, no, this isn't good. Like this isn't, this is a European semi-final and you have played like this is training. And you know the optics of that. Like Xhaka, Xhaka knows the optics of it. He knows what it looks like if he goes over and gives a hug yep. to his mate. It doesn't like, sure, text your friends after the game. Oh, that's not a good game. Oh, oh well, don't really mind if we don't go through. Well, we fucking care and we're watching you and and <coughs> not to go down the whip and your wages line. But, you know, I think the fact that the fans aren't there maybe, you know, puts them in a different mindset, whatever. But, you know, those TV cameras just go off the pitch, do it elsewhere. Don't show the mm. disrespect to the fans of this smiling, happy, you know, happy clappy thing. Like, and and mm. uh, it feels a little bit like old school and and whatever. But if you're failing as a team, if I've absolutely cacked it at work, absolutely fucked it, like I've you know missed a presentation deadline, or I've you know absolutely screwed around on stage, whatever. If you see me smiling as I walk out the, the work workplace, I, w- I would think that's massively disrespectful because you're going, okay, you don't realise yep. the, the mistakes that you've made. Now, you think, you think whatever or you, you want to think. Or you just don't care. You th- yeah, you think whatever you want to think. But that, to me, it looks like you don't care. And that's fine, yeah. but get out of our club. If you don't care, great, Absolutely. cool, get out. Because we don't need you here. Um... Chikoyza got injured. We were, uh, uh, yeah, and kind of, we started to release the ball quick, but not shift through the gears quick. So it made it pointless that we were releasing the ball quick. You know, one thing I, th- I thought Leno was quite good at last night, even though I thought he was sh- shocking as per usual, was actually, you know, moments when he was claiming the ball, it seemed like there was a bit more impetus in his run out to kind of roll the ball out or get yep. the ball out, but then nobody moved with him. No. You know, we had... No players actually moving up the pitch quick, which then just allowed them to reset, reform, and press. We were too, we were too wide, we were too, too placid, open. Too, the distances weren't right. We we were, we weren't compact enough. Villarreal were very compact, which forced us wide. But then it just turned us into this sort of. It looked like Emery Ball, mate. It looked like Emery Ball. The and we didn't take advantage of of two massive positives that we had coming into this game. Etienne Capou was suspended, and their first choice right back. Juan Foyth was injured and we made their second choice right back again look like like we did with Foyth last in the last fixture look like Cafu we didn't do anything in this game my partner described Bellerin, Bellerin as a sieve a footballing sieve through which football passes honestly he just I I struggle to remember a performance that bad from a fullback in an Arsenal shirt. I mean, 
horrendous. Truly, 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 truly horrendous. Actually, second half, he was a bit better. But that first half, oh my God. I've never seen someone give the ball away so many times. I've never seen someone with the lack of intensity, with what feels like... And listen, Bellerin knows he's going out of the club. Fine, whatever. But where are you going to? If you think you're going to Paris Saint-Germain and, we've stuck, and they're watching... We've if, stuck if, with if, him. If I'm, if I'm Mauricio Pochettino and I'm watching that European semi-final and you think you're going to PSG, I can tell you now he will have second thoughts. Exactly. And here's the thing, right? I fucking hate Robin Van Persie. I hate him. I hate him with every fibre of my being, right? But the one thing you like, well, I think he knew and we knew that he was going coming to the end of that season, but he never let up. Didn't, didn't. And look, he snaked us when we needed him most. So he's an absolute wanker. And I, I, I'll, I'll hate that man forever. You know, I will, I will. <laughs> he snaked. Uh, no, because you know how, and again, this is the same conversation I'm going to come on to with Bellerin, but we stuck with Robin Van Persie through injury, through poor form, through everything. And then he came good, had two good seasons, thought he was a big man and fucked off to Man United. And do you know what? His choice was vindicated. They won the title the next season, but then his career fell off a cliff and he was a Galatasaray so he can get fucked. But it's the same with Bellerin. We And, you know, Arsenal are a very respectful club. We've done this with so many players. We stuck with Bellerin through injury, through horrific injury. We rehabilitated him. We got him back to playing football, to being in and around the first team again and again and again, right? And now he knows that he might be coming out of the club. Pay that respect back with some actual kind of care, you know? Actually give a shit. Actually try because... Not only have we stuck with you through your shit performances, through your constant inability to improve yourself as a footballer, but we have paid you your wage while you've not been able to do anything. We've rehabilitated you through horrific injuries and you can't care enough for the fans who have supported you throughout your entire 10-year period at Arsenal to just try in a European semi-final, you know? And we've got a track record for doing this. Look at what we did with Abu Dhabi. We were constantly giving him contracts while he was injured. Santi Gazzola was at the club for another year and a half after his last game or whatever it was. Something stupid like that. Because we care about these players. Or at least Wenger cared about these players, right? Where is that care being returned? It's a great question. Um, a couple of chances to speak of. Uh, Bamiang hit the post. Uh, there's a moment in the just beginning of the second half um, where Tierney flicked it up and Pepe had a nice little chance. Uh, there was a Smith row chance where he sort of uh, tried to get it to dip into the far corner. Um, something, and again, this is another thing that frustrates me. And we said last time, their keeper is clearly woeful. Like woeful. He's Fla- their cup keeper, mate. Flapping. He's their cup keeper. Flapping at everything. They've... <laughs> no size, no distribution, no kind of presence. Why Alex, didn't mate, we target him? We are so bad. We are so bad. Unai Emery played his cup keeper in a European semi-final against us and it didn't matter. But why didn't we target? This is the this is the frustrating part and something I think Arteta because, is... No, because how are we going to target him? Because all we're doing is we're farting about with the ball in midfield. We're letting them press us. We're never in a situation you, where we can target him. But we can. Because you, we're you, not you, getting you, the you, ball anywhere. You play in Ketia and you press him whenever he has the ball. 
or something. Do something or, you know, put men on him at corners. I don't know. I'm not the fucking manager, but I'm saying clearly there is a, there is a, a weakness there. And yeah, something that I, I think I've said before on this podcast is what I, I think partly what we don't do enough is recognize, you know, you can go too far with it. You can go into the Emery realm of just preparing for the opposition and you lose your own identity. But there are individuals and there are weaknesses within teams. Exploit them. Exploit them. Yeah. That keeper was trash. Have shots at Jordan Pickford. The Fulham defence are wank. Give them a run. Put Martinelli on the wings and, and have a run at them. You, you see, like, for, there's a game um, that escapes me, but Tierney, I think it was, was it against West Brom? Tierney had the absolute run of uh, Furlong. Furlong, I think, is their right back? Yeah, something like that. Simple. I think I praised it at the time. Just one-on-one, he's got the run of him. So just go at him and, and that can be your, your outlet and you win the game and you move on, you get the three points, done. Bish, bash, bosh, let's move on. It doesn't need to be rocket science and it doesn't need to be this sort of kaleidoscope of shifting emotions to quote Derek Ray. Like the the there are simple things that we can do to 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 to, to try and win games and, and it doesn't feel like we're doing them. One thing I will say is, you know, we've criticised Arteta many, many times for late substitutions. He did bring on a substitute before the 77th minute in Martinelli and Martinelli looked better. <laughs> but even then, it's at 60 minutes. We didn't change until the 60th minute. Like, giving... When we've, when we've been so obviously profligate and so obviously ineffective, not making a personnel change at half-time isn't good enough. It's not good enough. So while I understand we've criticised them for late substitutions, this substitution again is 15 minutes too late. Maybe, but we have, you know, ultimately he's made he's made a decision 10, 15 minutes before he normally he, he normally appears to. So normally you know, does listen, it, yeah. You know, we, we got, we'll take him where we can. Um, Villarreal brought on Carlos Backer and I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't hit the back of the net. Um, and... <laughs> I made that joke last night and I was just like, I have to say it on the podcast. I'm going to shoehorn it in. Oh, isn't he so clever? What a clever pun. Fuck off, Alex. Um, <laughs> so, that was more creative than anything Arsenal did last night. So we've got to give you props for it, mate. Thanks. Um, yeah. Anyway, listen, uh, the only other thing really from the game is just a question, Brad. What does it say? When you're chasing a game, you're chasing a goal, and you take off your fifty-six million pounds, three hundred and fifty, whatever million, a uh, million, hundred thousand pound a week, grand a week, player, star striker, captain, who's you've just handed a new long term. Won deal the golden to. boot. Who what won the say? golden boot? Who? What does that say? Um, so you can bring you know, on William. It says you are incompetent. It says you're incompetent. It says you you do not, you cannot. And so many times we, you know, I I hate to see absolute wankers proved right because there are some absolute dross and grotty people who are within the football world who will now be celebrating because they've been proved right. But he is so far out of his depth. It's unreal. We've taken, we've, we've had two chances that really could have changed the game. And they are the two that have kind of hit the post, right? And then he's taken the player off who got those two chances. It, it, he is so, 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 so far out of his depth that last night's decisions just prove that again for me. 
it's sackable. It's ge- it's for me. It's genuinely sackable that you've taken off a man who's beaten Robert Lewandowski to a Golden Boot, who won the Golden Boot in his first full season here, who scored thirteen goals in his first ten games off, and brought on Willian to to get a goal. A man who's not scored for us in thirty seven games. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen. There's a there's a small, small, very, very small caveat of the malaria stuff, and you know, fitness wise. But ultimately, have it's, him goal hang. It, exactly. Don't have him run. And if, you, if you're going to have Willie, if you're going to have Willie and and Ketia goal hang, you may as well have a Bamiang. Uh, right. We should have the the Arteta discussion. So we'll see you. Ah, oh. jeez, oh, Dad, not the car again. No, oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. After this... News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Only one thing to discuss, Brad. Arteta, stay or go. And just to kind of give us a a launch pad from this. Arsenal have failed to score in 10 home games in all competitions, the most in a single season for the club. Surpasses 19-12-13 when the club were relegated 1986-87 and 1994-95, which were George Graham's first and last seasons. Can I put to you my case for the defence? Okay. I'm. Don't hate me. I won't know. I'm it's opinion, isn't it? I'm still Arteta. Fair enough. Just like, ju- like, yeah, but we we can. Di- the thing is, like, when we do this all the time, we can disagree. I don't hate you, but I, I disagree. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't with genuinely, you. Do you know I wasn't mean? genuinely hoping. No, I know. You'd I know. Okay, here, here's where we are, or where I see us as where we are. We have a young coach who is entering his third season. We have to, if we're going to be the uh, the losers in this, in in Arteta making the mistakes and making mistakes like he did last night and making all those sorts of things, um, all the errors that he has done this season, we have to be the beneficiaries when he starts to learn, which I believe will be in the next couple of seasons. And I think we'll start to see the green shoots next season. That is with a caveat that I believe he needs more experience around him. I think he needs he needs some experience, someone who's maybe managing the Premier League or managed at the highest level. I want... Ranjik, like director of football maybe. or someone. Yeah. I think we are in a position where we have to look at what the priorities are. We have to look at, we are in a situation where we've got, a, we've got a leaking ship, we've got a broken tap, we've got a whatever you want to call it. And we have to consider what the priorities are right now. And for me, I will come back to, we have a group of players and would I rather see this group of players given a chance with a new manager or would I rather see a new group of players or a new, new say, three, four, five players given a chance under Arteta. And frankly, out of those two options, which, by the way, aren't the best options, I would prefer if we had other options, we had a good group of players or whatever, I would rather see it under Arteta. I think we have to be careful 
with um, being too trigger happy. And I want to be clear here that this isn't too... Arteta has made lots of mistakes and he and, and I completely agree with large amounts of the analysis going around in terms of, you know, the mistakes he's made, what he needs to take responsibility for, all those sorts of things. But it remains. Not only is his reputation in football really, really good and this idea that he will become a good manager. Listen, we, 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 we can't see that yet. We And I agree, you know, there's not been much progress in the process yet. But I'm willing to give him until January, basically. If he gets fully backed in the summer, gets three or four players in, and I think he will be, and he's still not delivering the goods or he's still we're still not seeing a kind of progress from here, I would want him gone. But I still think there's a bit more time and I don't think it would be the end of the world, especially considering the, the managerial situation. And just to finish this off, if Aubameyang finishes, um, sorry, just to go back on that, as in the managerial situation in terms of who's available. If Aubameyang puts that header in yesterday, this is a very, very, very different podcast. If and I, I understand it's it's fine margins are football and is football, and that can go both ways. You can say, well, if it's fine margins, then why aren't we getting the fine margins? But I prefer to view it, and I think on this one, I'm just on the side of. Ultimately, if Aubameyang's header goes in, if Pepe's shot goes in, if Smith Rowe's shot goes in, this is a very, very different podcast. We're looking at a very, very different season, and if we, we nick a winner in a, in, a, in the Europa League semi uh, Europa League final against Man United. Arteta's a genius. He's won a, he won another cup. Oh my God, we're back in the Champions League. Fantastic. We're looking at very, very small margins. The reason those margins don't go for us, for me, go much further back than, uh, or, or the conversation has to include um, things that, that go much further back than just Arteta's influence on the club. And just to round this off, I think with everything that's happened with the Super League, we're in a very, very different position. I think we're either going to see a sale or we're going to see investment. I think, to be honest, I, 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 I don't see with a depreciating asset, the Cronkies doing nothing. I think they will either sell or I think they will either, I think they will invest because they have a depreciating asset. And for them, putting in 200 million to stop them losing have many millions per year, which which they were gaining before, you know, we were at the Champions League and, and not a profitable club. I think they will see that and they will make a decision. It's it's stick or twist time. And I think at club level, we have to give these guys a bit more time. There we go. Okay. Uh, my opinion is I'm I'm I want him gone. Uh, I've I've flipped. I'm kind of almost the same the same as you, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like if his, if his if my microphone is the middle, we're kind of either side of it right now. Um, I think I've explained so many times the litany of things, you know, and it, 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 it's starting to get mountainous and almost insurpassable the amount of things that you can criticise Arteta with. And there are three things that I kind of want to levy and use this more as a rebuttal to your opinion than a kind of statement of mine, because I think we all know how I feel about it because that's 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 all I ever do is talk about it. <laughs> but I think you're miss, you're missing option number 3 which is players gone and investment in the summer and a new manager to take us forward. Because 
we have seen decisions about certain players being sent out and certain players being brought in that have not benefited the club. And now look, when it comes to incomings, we're currently like four for six out of them kind of coming good, which is a decent return. But how much of that is Edu versus Arteta? Uh, and I think option, you you kind of gave the option of same players, new manager or new uh or new players, same Arteta and new players. And I kind of go, well, I want to, I want option three, which is new manager, get Potter, throw money at Ajax for Ten Hag. Um, because I'm pretty sure that the, it was a contract extension or like the triggering of a, a clause that makes it a year longer. You know, get, get Brendan Rogers, even though, you know, Brendan Rogers is quite a conservative manager. I, I, at, at times, I, I, I'm kind of at the point where, I, I don't want a manager blooding himself at our club because it's fine. This season's fine, right? It's all right. It's fucking terrible as an Arsenal fan because we're used to success. But if we have another six months, like the back end of this season and the start of last season, but it's just a little bit worse, we could be in a relegation battle because uh, we were close to one before December this season. We were. And I think we forget how close we were to one. And to look at the fixtures, we had that Chelsea result 3-1. We had a Brighton result 1-0. West Brom 4-0. Uh, then we then then the wheels came off a little bit with 0-0 at Crystal Palace. Then Newcastle 3-0. Then Southampton 3-1. And then we had 0-0 against United. 2-1 against Wolves. 1-0 against Villa. We beat like Leeds, but that's when the wheels came off. So you're talking about having six good games or five good games in the league because of a change in system before the wheels have fallen off again. With the amount of incompetency that we have seen with certain decisions this season, I genuinely just... and Whether he grows to be a good manager or not, we have to look and take examples from other other clubs... You know, Chelsea, like I said earlier, took the really, really hard decision of sacking a club legend, an absolute legend of their club. And they're in a Champions League final for their heartache. Right. And there were Chelsea fans that I saw online like crying out about how this was a horrific decision and we should give him more time and this and that. If they win the Champions League, they won't care. Frank Frank Lampard's tenure will be a footnote. It doesn't matter. Um, and, And another reason is ruined relationships right there is a lot of potential in this squad we've got Saliba we've got Guendouzi we've got Reese Nelson we've got Saka we've got Pepe we've got so many players who really could come good and progress I don't want him to ruin any more relationships with players that could be viable options moving forward for a manager if we sack him in six months. I don't think he's earned the opportunity to have another six months because I genuinely don't think... I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. Because cup football is really, um, is really, really fickle, right? And we talk about fine margins. We beat um, City in the semi-final of the FA Cup with two shots on target and I think they had something like 12. And that's where fine margins has gone in our favour, you know, and we won an FA Cup and brilliant. But if he doesn't have that FA Cup, is he still our manager? 
does that FA Cup paper over the very, very real cracks in his management and managerial ability? Um, you know, we shouldn't be relying on kids and half chances to be an Emery side that conceded 10, you know, that when he managed us, conceded 10 shots on target to Watford. And it gets to a point where you start to notice a pattern. How, and it'd be fascinating to go back and listen to all the podcasts over the last kind of six to nine months and kind of wonder how many times we've ha- we've had to say, oh, it, it just wasn't our day. The fine margins didn't go our way. It gets to a point where we aren't creating enough at all, nowhere near, so that we are relying on half chances and the luck to go our way to win games. And that is not good enough. And other than shoring up the defence a little, Arteta has not done very much because all of these patterns of play we we wax lyrical about sometimes mean nothing. Having 60% possession last night or 55% possession last night meant nothing. You know, having more total shots last night meant nothing when over 180 minutes of football, we've got three shots on target. And the only goal that we've scored in 180 minutes of football is a penalty from a dive. Because he's going, he's going down before the contact's made. You know, it's not a penalty. I genuinely do not think, and, and I, I on what you say about kind of, um, we have to be the beneficiaries of when he comes good. What evidence do we have that he is actually going to come good? Alan Shearer took, took kind of um, the reins at Newcastle a, a while back, I think. I remember it being mentioned on the kickoff or something. And I'm sure that there were conversations there about, you know, oh, you know, he could come... Like, what actual evidence have we seen that he can become this world-renowned, brilliant manager other than the word of a few people? But <laughs> when in practice... when But, but when in practice... when it, Because it's all, it's all very different, say, he's a genius, he's a great football thinker versus Emery, who has been laughed at by people in football, right? When Arteta hasn't even managed to get more than three shots on target over 180 minutes of football, too often are we asking the same questions and seeing no results. And it is just at, it's it's at a critical point where, like you say, how, how, we either need to stick or twist, right? And it's at the point where I go, we are currently receiving, I can't remember the exact word you use, but the, the kind of negative effects of having an inexperienced manager. How much more of a negative effect can we allow this man to have on our football club when we aren't seeing barely any positives? And we aren't seeing, because it's, again, it's it's kind of, it's it's theoretical physics versus actual physics. It's theory and, you know, there are loads of people that talk great about the game. Some of the best people who talk about the game when it comes to kind of journalists or when it comes to kind of podcasters or YouTubers or pundits can't kick a football and wouldn't know how to set up a team. Talking about the game doesn't make you a good manager. Being this great thinker doesn't make you a good manager. We 
currently aren't seeing anything that actually makes me believe there's anywhere to progress anymore. And we're trusting in a process, but we don't know that. And how much more negativity do we need to accept before we see any positives? Yeah. And and I I, I do hear, I think that last thing you just said kind of sums that up. Like I, I do hear that. I don't agree though, that there's no signs. I think there are a lot of signs, but the question is, as you say, you know, the... But name them. If you're going to use, we didn't qualify, we didn't get to the Europa League, or we didn't, um, you know, we did, we're not doing very, very well in, in whatever. If we're doing the, the in the league and we're going, right, these outcomes aren't good enough, therefore he isn't good enough, then we can't flip it around and say, well, the FA Cup was out of context. He won the FA Cup, that's an outcome. So you, you if you're going, oh, if okay. you're going to live by the sword, you have to die by the sword. I think that there Fair. are certain... If there are there are certain things that I look at and go, okay, that is working. I'm not disagree like like the fact that he's this, I gen- won an FA Cup like and won a Community Shield, and the fact that we we at we at pretty much every single game this season we have dominated possession. And again, I know before you jump in, before you jump in, I know that doesn't mean anything. Of course, it doesn't. It's an outcome based thing. We we've we've <laughs> not been clinical <laughs> enough. Tenth. Yeah, yeah. But also, Brad, we're tenth, but we're hang on, I can look at the table. Villarreal are in an FA in, in a Europa League final after having forty four percent possession. Possession means but, nothing, Brad. If say for example we win our last four games, I, and I'm, I'm not I'm not sat here going I'm being desperate. Oh, if we win our last four games, it's not been good enough. I'm agreeing with you, but to say that there is you know there is no example, and I'm not suggesting Arteta's the future. Give him another seven year contract. I'm just saying I've seen enough to believe that if we have a bit of investment in the summer, we may feel the benefits. If I will hold my hands up, if in January or December, it's just not working, I will be Arteta out. I'll be going, he's had enough time. He's had basically two years. He's had some investment in two summers now. He, you know, if, if there's no improvement, but ultimately we've played some really, really good football this season at times. It's not good enough, but there's green shoots. We have seen uh, the development of young players. We're relying on a lot of young players. If we get some, if you look at our age uh, age situation, we're, we're relying on overly experienced, not over the hill, but a lot of overly experienced and unhungry players and young, inexperienced players. Look at, you know, Bakar Saka had a bad game last night. We can't rely on him. He's 19. There's so many things that go into the outcome. So I think the, and, and Arteta is a huge cog in that. But at the moment, I think there are other cogs that need to come first. I think investment in the side. I think investment in in coaching staff around Arteta. I think there's lots and lots of things. And for me, I think he's got another six months or, you know, another, whatever it is until January, I can't count, uh, seven months to 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 prove that this this job isn't too big for him. Now, I... But he's had nearly, he's had 18 months. To prove that this job isn't too big for sure, him. Sure, but Ferguson and had like three in the years last... where he didn't he didn't come good. You have to give managers time. Yes, but Ferguson had... No, no, no. But there is a very big difference. Mm-hmm. Ferguson had three years to prove himself at a time where finances weren't as important in the sport. Where where you finished didn't mass... Like, there is a reason that clubs like Newcastle, who dropped out of like finishing in the Champions League and had... Ve- we, are, we are about two steps away from being Newcastle. We really, really are. And... There is a reason that once they started dropping out of the um, the continental qualification positions, that they massively fell away when it came to spending, when it came to quality of player, when it came to all of these things. So because of the owner 
And this is my point. There's a, there's a bigger problem here in the owner and the ownership and the lack of investment. But that doesn't mean. But that does not mean that Arteta is not again one of the biggest problems. It is now becoming a situation where Kroenke is a problem, half the playing staff is a problem, and having a manager who who cannot do the job because we have seen it on far too many times this season. Like Dynamo Zagreb play some good football in shoots. So do so do West Brom. West Brom beat Chelsea 5-2. So does Sheffield United. It doesn't matter having two or three or four good games a season if the overarching kind of narrative of the season is that we are fucking terrible. It doesn't matter how much possession you have if you're doing nothing with it, does it? You know, you're just a B-Tech Barcelona, keeping the ball, knocking it about, and then you're letting people... Of course, we're going to keep possession in a game where Unai Emery has set up to sit in a 4-4-2 and defend his lead. Of course we are. I, I, I do understand that. But if the question is, and the question we have, is what are our biggest priorities and how much, how much does Arteta need to come into that? Hugely. But the first two problems before we get to Arteta are the ownership and the players. If the owners invest in an, a decent amount of players and a decent number and decent quality of players and give the backing to the to Arteta and Edu, I will sit here in January, January and I will say, they've been given time, they've been given backing, get them out. They're not good enough. I, I will sit here and I'll say that. But they have been given time and backing. They've been given time and they've been given money. They haven't. Yeah, we spent as much this summer as we have in pretty much every, every summer before. It's just we spunked our whole budget on £45 million party. Yep. And, but look at... Look at if you're, <laughs> so no, I understand no, if what you're, you're compa- saying. If, you're, if you're comparing with, for example, okay, so who, who are our biggest rivals? Like Liverpool, they went out and spent £75 million on Van Dijk and how much... Was it like £50 million on Alisson, right? We haven't... Sp- £65 million 65 on million on Alisson. Tottenham have spent... You know, they've got a, a hundred and something million pound striker up front and... Their wank, I, I you know there's there's kind of what, what did Chelsea spend last summer? You know unbelievable amounts. Leicester, oh, two hundred million exactly. Yeah. Leicester's Leicester's recruitment is a lot better than ours. We need to improve on that. United spend millions every single summer. City spend millions every single summer. It's a spending game, and ultimately we we've not. And 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 also that goes back to for example Leicester when Conte left in what was it 2016? They bought Indeedy, and now he's coming good, and now he's a player who is performing at the top level for them. That goes back years. That goes back before Arteta. I'm not absolving Arteta of responsibility. He has a lot of responsibility. A lot. Of, he's made a lot of mistakes. But long-term, poor recruitment, long-term, poor club strategy, long-term lack of investment has left us in this situation. I've seen enough. You can't tell me that our squad was not good enough to get a result against the no, New Emery team. No, it was. I, it I, ap- I, I, I refuse. And I'm, I'm not so, saying I'm that. Like, I refuse to accept that as a reason that we are where we are. Of course, that is a big, big, big issue. But we've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Saka, Pepe, Party. You know, we've got players like... But that's, it, that's it not is, the question. It is, we, we 100% had a no, good enough but squad. You're saying, you're saying it's... No, no, no. But Alex, you're saying, you're saying it's a spending game. The reason that United aren't winning the title is because they don't have a manager in charge who can tactically at points outthink opponents to get them a vital four points extra a season or six points extra a season to push them onto that title. They are in that position because they spend the money, but they haven't got the final piece we are in a situation where we're not spending any money and we don't have the final piece. If we spend 200 million in the summer, we'll get in what? Five players? 
maybe if you're talking about certain quality of players, maybe five, maybe six players. And that's if we spend two hundred million pound in the summer. Realistically, it's probably going to be more like a hundred if we're lucky. So do five players, five players of which some of them won't be first team quality because you're looking at if we talk about party being 45 million pounds for the quality of player that he is, that is a bargain. We're going to end up with maybe three first teamers. Does that push us above Leicester? Does that push us above with the current system that we have and with the current manager who's taken us out of our most successful system this season in our most important game this season to give us continental qualification this season for no reason? Mikel is an issue. They are all issues. Throw the baby out with the bathwater and restart. <laughs> because I just, there is no fucking point in sitting for another six months when we have 18 months of experience. Even at the back end of last season, right, when we won the FA Cup, we were still losing to Brighton. And we were still fucking it up against lots and lots of teams. You know, this is what I mean by like, our league form has never been good. Under Arteta. We have never been a particularly good side against Arteta other than one-off flash-in-the-pan games. No, but we've had spells that's lasted four or five games. We've we've had spells, and that's not a season. It's 50-ish games in a season if you include cup competitions and continental kind of competitions. Like, having a five-game run, anyone can go on a five-game run. Any team in this league can hit luck, hit form, and go on a five-game run. That speaks nothing about his ability as a manager. Nothing. I, I'm i not disagreeing that Mikel Arteta is an issue. I'm just saying he's not the biggest issue. I'm, and I'm just going to close this out with, with some stats. Man City, right? Arrivals, 15-16. They spent nearly £70 million on Kevin De Bruyne, nearly £57 million on Raheem Sterling, right? The next summer... They bring in John Stones for 50 million. They bring in Gabby Jesus for 30 million. Gundogan for 25 million. The summer after that, they bring in Laporte. Oh, the, well, in the January, they bring in Laporte for 60 million. Mendy for 50 million. Carl Walker for 50 million. Bernardo Silva for 45 million. Edison for 36 million. They're assembling a team. Riyad Mahrez came in in 1819 for 60 million. The following summer, Jao Cancelo came in for 60 million. Rodri came in for 60 million. Uh, and then this year, Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake and, and Ferran Torres, 40 million, 20 million. Right. That's a lot of money being spent. Ultimately, better players will perform better for you. And I look at Arsenal and I look at our investment in the in the team. And last night, in terms of our squad and our squad building, think about the players who started last night. We had... Hector Bellerin, who has been an, is an academy graduate. Kieran Tierney is an example of really good recruitment. Long-term, great stuff. Bernd Leno, not quite working out. Pablo Mari is a cheap buy. Rob Holding is a cheap buy. Thomas Partey is probably the only one of that kind of Man City, like top of his game, 50 million type sort of player. Erdegaard's on loan. Smith Rowe's an academy grad. Then we've got Pepe, who we way overspent for. Saka's an academy grad and Aubameyang, who we spent a lot of money on for a guy who's 28, and he's heading over the age curve. What Man City do is they buy well at a good price at a good time. That's just one example of us comparing, but these are the people we're going up against. We have to be smarter as a club. Now, Arteta is, a, Arteta is an issue, but the issue really goes back many, many years in bad recruitment. Yes, 
look, I understand this, but on your point of we're not going to spend the same money Man City are, for example, Leicester, 2015-16, they bought in Okazaki for 10 mil, Kante for 8 mil, Inla for 6 mil, um, Amati for 6 mil, Damari Gray for 5 mil, Robert Huth for 4 mil, you know, and then the season after. We are not on the spending power level of City, so we're not comparable with City. Season after, they wasted money on Slimani for like 28 mil, but they also bought in Ndidi for 15 million pounds. Which proves we know? have to be smarter as a club. This is what yes. you're proving. Of course, it pro- of course it proves we have to be smarter as a club. I've never said that. But what I am saying is, is we have to also be smarter about, about, as a club about understanding when you have given somebody enough chances. If Mikel Arteta goes and wins the Champions League with a better squad, so fucking be it. But honestly, if we sacked him right now, what job would he get? Honestly, would I think he get he'd get a, a decent Premier League job. I think within the, I think honestly, within the game. I, 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 that, I think that is honestly right now with the showings that Arsenal have had deluded. Because who is going to after he has taken Arsenal? And, you know, we, we haven't talked about his press conference and, you know, he dodged a question about progression because we have regressed since last season. We are in a worse position than last season and we are in a worse position than the season before it's all well and good saying that we need to be smarter about recruitment the recruitment involves recruiting managers he is not good enough and I genuinely do not believe that if he got if he got sacked now where's he going to go to maybe Espanol in Spain no Premier League club would touch him because what what other club what what club in in the Premier League go to the league table right now what club would take him? I think I think a lot of clubs. But listen, we're, we're not going to agree. <laughs> and this is the issue. We are thinking like a small club keeping a manager who has done nothing this season. Nothing. But be incompetent again and again and again and again and again. And to quote the Lord Claude, when are we going to wake up and smell the fucking coffee? When? When is it going to end, Robbie? Listen, we're not going to agree, Brad. Um, I look forward to... Are Mikel in parties? Mikel being sacked in about three three games time after another three game losing streak. Okay, well I look forward to our Mikel in parties in in many years to come. We look back at this episode episode in twenty twenty five when we've won the Champions episode League and we go, oh Brad, can you remember how wrong you were? Uh, listen, we were going to get to some other views, but we've gone way over. Um, That's hey, yeah. it's just football. <laughs> it's just football. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're fuming, uh, right? Pleasure as always. Thank you for listening, guys. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you. We no time for trivia today. We'll get to that next time. And uh, yeah, peace out. See you soon. Bye bye. Peace. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, TheDifferentKnock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.